You are listening to the Photobomb podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photobomb Podcast. My name is Bure Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. Hello, my friend. I am happy to report that I have joined the ranks of the privileged elite classes this week. Oh, I, I was not aware you were not already a member of our ranks, but all oh, right. Oh, no, no. I am official uh, a member of the, of the elite, of the working elite. I have a standing desk. I don't feel like that's really a working elite thing because it seems to me like that's the sort of thing that you would complain about in the old days. That They, they won't even get me a chair. <laughs> <laughs> right? Wouldn't the elite have a chair? Yeah, I suppose so. But now instead of like getting a crappy, squeaky office chair, they're making you pay $400 so that you can stand while you work. I just feel like you, you're, you if you feel like that's a, that's a move up. I'm, I'm moving up now. I have a stand-up next. Dex, um, I'm hoping to make it to the level where they just have my office out in a field. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> next year, if I'm really good, they're going to pay an intern to yeah. kick me in the nuts while I work. It's going to be great. You hear about Jim? He's moving up. They took his door away. Oh. You know, I mean, like, some guys I, have all the luck. I know. I feel like they're removing things from you to make you elite if they, if they take away your chair and now you're special. Because, you know, you could just stand up any time. But you have a stand-up desk. Now, is this, with, with a, is this a desk that goes on top of your desk, or is this a full desk? No, no. It's uh, the one that goes on top. The okay. one on top. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I like it. It's got the little gas-powered whatever, and you, not gas-powered, but, you know, it's a... Like a two-stroke engine. It's, you got to yeah. mix a little oil in there. You know, there's a lot of... The office of the breathing <laughs> situation has got a little more difficult at the studio, but my back feels great. Yeah. <laughs> I uh no I <laughs> it's the one with the hydraulic uh right. you know uh, things in it. so yeah it's pretty cool and uh I, I don't know if it's doing any good but it's we have, nice we have a couple to- of those we have uh in our house uh, the one in my in my studio is a, a you know you hit a button and it goes up and down big one big table and then the same thing my wife has the same thing so what you're so, saying yeah. is to be part of the privileged elite I need one it's that's electric nice. I need nice. an electric one. Very nice. When I was in radio, um, they started a trend after a few years where all of the radio consoles were built uh, up high, so you know, so you could stand up and do your show. And I always sat. I just sat with all sorts. <laughs> if I if I stood, I would I would bounce around too much. I would fidget if I was standing. Yeah, yeah. I find that uh, it's not good for my shoes because I stand on my own feet a lot when I'm working and when I'm shooting. Okay, so, yeah. Right. There you go. See, that's that's my problem with the stand up desting. I can't just stand steady and work. Yeah. That's well, not going to happen. Well, the thing is, I, I wanted to stand. I'm standing right now as we're doing the podcast. And I wanted to stand because I've been listening to the audio. And I found there's a little squeaking sometimes when I uh, move around in my office chair. So instead of getting a $2 can of WD-40, I went right. and got a, like a $200 standing desk. Okay. <laughs> that is so, solve that problem. Uh, what's, uh, what's new this week? You still on vacation? You got a house full. I got a house full of people, uh, and, uh, in three days, uh, the day after New Year's, so I guess, uh, January 2nd, we will be bringing home the big prize, which I mentioned last week, which is that we got the girls a puppy, uh, for uh, Christmas. So, yes. After a good 12 years or so of not being a dog, uh, family, we are now going to be a dog family again. A dog and cat family. Yes, a dog and a cat family. And, uh, so we got a Bernadoodle. Which is a uh, cross between a Bernese Mountain Dog and a Poodle, and uh, he's uh, she's all black, and she will eventually be a pretty big dog, sixty five, seventy five pound dog. 
That's a good-sized yeah, animal. That's a good-sized dog. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so that's the kind of dog that the privileged elite have. Yes. Well, an anything expensive that's dog, mixed with an oodle. Yes. An expensive dog you have to buy from a breeder, but um, this one, because it doesn't have the colors that you normally get, uh, was actually cheaper. And by cheaper, I still mean incredibly expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know like, that I've ever had a dog that wasn't yeah. from the ASPCA. Yeah. Because I'm I like ter- to well, rest- we're terrible. We're terrible people. We didn't go down to the Humane Society. Listen. Listen, Uh-oh. let me say something about the you people with your shaming. About He's been not triggered. Getting, okay, first of all, my cat showed up on my doorstep in a rainstorm, and we took her, took him in. Okay, so that that I've done my trick there, but I don't think you can blame the people who go to a breeder and say they're bad for not going to the, to the Humane Society. You should go to the Humane Society if you want to go to the Humane Society. Great, but the fact that there are so many people who don't get their don't uh, get their their pets neutered who end up taking them to humane society they can't because there are all these horrible pet owners out there does not mean that the good pet owners should have to pick up their slack if you still want to have a labradoodle you should be able to go get a labradoodle if you get it from a respected breeder who is who is not you know who is doing everything correctly and the dogs are all going to good homes you're actually doing what's supposed to be done In you know, the i'm just saying the i'm just saying no, see, I, know, I think it's inappropriate. That's the song that you would sing if I was saying that you need to go to the Humane Society. I'm just trying to remind you that you're, uh, you're in the wizard state. That you are. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. Right. Because you're not the first person. I've said, that. oh, we, got, we, we went to a breeder and got a dog. And they go, oh, well, I've always, I've always gone to the Humane Society and I have a stand-up desk. This, this is how much time we've spent talking together. We've got 180-something episodes of this show and, and a bunch of episodes that never saw the light of day. Yeah, so, maybe. I, oh, probably I've had more conversation with you in the last three or four years than I've had with anyone in my life consistently, right? Like the amount of just dedicate – how many people in your life do you dedicate – I don't even do with my wife. Sit down and say, we're, go, <laughs> we're just going to sit and talk to each other for the next 90 minutes, and we do that every week. Right. I don't do that with anyone. Now, Yeah, but we, but we also have we, – we say we're going to sit and talk to each other for 90 minutes, but mm, an hour of that or, or less is going to be specifically about photography topics. So it's not like we talk about our lives and our feelings. No, no, we bury that deep, deep inside. <laughs> oh, God. what feelings? Get out of yeah. town! Yeah. So, so this is how well this is how much time we spend together. This is how well I know you. I a song came on the radio, not the radio. I was listening to Apple Music or whatever, playing board games last night with the girls, and a song came on the radio. A song that I hate, and uh, you know what? You're allowed to like what you like, but this song it just <laughs> sets my teeth on edge. I know where this is going. Yeah, I remember it's, this. Okay, the Harry Nilsson, uh, the lime in the coconut song. You put the lime in the coconut and dig it all down. You put the lime in the coconut and then you could that that you put the lime. Yeah. Doctor. I think this is legitimately the worst song ever written, and that includes everything by Nickelback. It's a song you can't get song. out of your head, though, once you get it there. It's one of those uh, earworm. They call it earworm. It is song. an absolute earworm. It's I call it mm. musical terrorism. But then the uh, so this song is playing, and I've got this uh, mellow rock station on Apple Music, and I always put it. It's really just mostly inoffensive songs that everybody's dad likes, or right. by everybody's dad, I mean music that you and I like. And then so I play it in the studio a lot, but we're playing playing board games last night and i immediately whenever i hear a song from sort of that era i i think of you and so i immediately message you i'm like man you know what i hate this song i think this is the worst song ever recorded and then i saw the little dots representing you typing and i said and now is the point where you tell me a fun fact about this song (laughs) (laughs) because every time i bring up any kind of song or music or artist or movie or anything from the like 60s 70s 80s and 90s your immediate response isn't to go Tell me how you feel about it. It's to present me with a random fact about it. <laughs> that's right. And that's, 
That's right. I am the trivia king. So here's the real question. Did I really just want to express my hate, or did I want to find out more about this person who I Oh, you just wanted to express your hate. I don't think, you know, that's a side effect that you you can't avoid. I mean, you're going to get that from me, but what you want to do is express your hate to somebody who would instantly know what song you were talking about. That's (laughs) why you thought of me. You knew that I would know the song. Yeah, yeah. And who did it, and what year they were born, and what their mother's maiden name was. Harry Nielsen, who got kicked out of the Smothers Brothers concert with John Lennon during his famous Lost Weekend when he had broken up with Yoko Ono and gone to Los Angeles. And also the man who won the Academy Award for Best Original Song for Everybody's Talking About Me from the movie Midnight Cowboy, the first X-rated film to ever win an Academy Award. Well... Did I yeah. tell you? There you go. <laughs> and that's exactly what I texted back to him. <laughs> I could read it off of my phone right now. All of those things didn't make me hate him less or hate that song less. But good right. on him. Good for him. Uh, that's great. I'm really excited actually, about that. I think, I think on Netflix, there's actually a documentary about him. He, yeah. was, he, was, a really, he was quite a songwriter, but a very uh, weird kind of guy. And uh, weird enough that you have to be weird to make it. Nobody makes a documentary about a guy who's just normal. Mm-hmm. You know? So he's actually got a documentary about him on, the, on Netflix. And yes, yeah. I'm, I'm the only person who's seen it. Harry Nilsson could have cured polio, and I'd still hate that song. There you go. It's a bad I'm just song. Just saying, it Horrible is a song. terrible, awful, awful Horrible song. song. What, uh, what, what board games do you, are you playing with the girls? Is it, we still shoots and ladders? No, well, we do. Ellie is three, going to be four in end of January. And so, uh, but she is a, and look, everybody, listen, listen, everybody. Everybody likes to think their kid's special. Everyone thinks that their kid's a beautiful snowflake, and then there's no other kid like them. And I realize that my kid is is one of bi- billions, and, and that's fine. But, so, so I'll just take that with a grain of salt. <clears throat> That what I'm about to say next. My three year old is a genius. Like she okay. is, she is beyond brilliant. Whatever the genetic roll of the dice that makes people think. Like I'm good at certain things. I'm very clever and very smart when it comes to like adopting new skills. But when it comes to like finding my car keys, I can't do that. You know. So there's lots of things. Like I will literally. I'm the guy with the sunglasses on his head, looking around, asking people where my sunglasses are. Uh, my daughter has like all of the stuff that's good about me, and she. She's also smart in every other way, like making a fully rounded genius. Like if she were any smarter, uh, you know, she would probably be in college already. But anyway, point is, we've started to sort of challenge her with more difficult board games than just the random ones. Because here's the thing. We've been playing Candyland for like a year, and that is the most BS crap board game. Yes. Because the outcome is predetermined when you start the game. And that just... I, it makes me feel so angry that I'm wasting my time. <laughs> like, I'm so angry sitting there. I could literally, if you just laid the cards out, I could tell you which of us was going to win. Oh, you got the ice cream cone as the first card, so you're five spaces away from the end. Good, I guess that was a really fun game. Next! Whatever. Right. You know? <laughs> I'm just coming back to me now. Yeah, you hear? Yeah, yeah Candyland is the worst game in the world. And it, it basically, you're going to make your children stupid if they play Candyland. So we've moved to Battleship, which I think is a really cool oh. way. And so deductive got, reasoning, yeah, sure. right, yeah. There's a lot of cool mental agility in Battleship, and also numbers and letters, and using a grid, and then process of elimination, or like reverse engineering the position of something on a grid. So it's actually so. I was playing Battleship with my three year old last night. She nearly beat me. Really? Wow. Well, Ju- Julie was. See helping now. Here's her. the problem. Here's the problem: is that you think that she's a genius, 
But many of us would think that being able to nearly beat you, not necessarily a sign of extreme intelligence. Let's separate those two things from the other. One is, uh, one is they're, they're, not, uh, they're, they're not mutually exclusive. Just because she beat me in Battleship, that doesn't make her a genius. But not okay. a lot of three-year-olds are playing Battleship. Okay, that's, and that's, that's very impressive. Yeah. Anyway, I, yeah. I actually played, uh, we, we're, we've got a lot of people here, so we're playing a lot of games. Uh, and uh, we played Ticket to Ride, which is a great game, by oh, the way. Oh, yeah, that is, that is a real, that's a train game, right? Train game, yeah, great yeah, game. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I mean, you call it a train game, it's, but it's a great game. Uh, but you know what I did this year, uh, this uh, this week? I'm, I'm so happy because I finally have uh, gotten the last merit necessary for me to get my Master's of Geekdom degree. Oh, is that because right? Because I played... In the last couple of days, I have been playing Magic the Gathering. <laughs> yes, 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 yeah, yes. Dude. At 50-something years old, I have finally played Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering is the game that D&D kids turn their nose up at. Oh, Magic the Gathering. It's been around for like 20 years, and there's literally a million cards. That's the deep state, dude. You're, yeah, that's, that's the like, deeps. yeah, Magic the Gathering. is. Oh, so, um, as it turns out, my uh, best friend from high school, Donnie, is visiting uh, with his wife, and his wife's brother owned a comic book store, and he passed away, and they, and they inherited everything, including about a half a million Magic the Gathering cards. Oh. So, she shows up with all these cards and teaches us to play Magic the Gathering, and... It's actually a really cool game. You got Bobby playing <laughs> it's too. A good game. No, no, no. You're not going to get Bobby to play Magic the Gathering. Uh, but it's actually a really cool game, and I've always wanted to play it, but no, had never had anybody could play it with. So I've actually really enjoyed that. Yeah, I want. Magic I want to un- unpack that. Why wouldn't your wife play Magic the Gathering? Oh come on! It's a game. It's a game where every two seconds you get to stop and go back to the rules of the internet to try and figure out how that's supposed to work and how does. It, and then and it's oh here's why because when we started playing it, uh, she, uh, my friend Donnie's wife Stacy, she's like. Here, this will help you. Here's like a quick rule, quick guide to playing the game. And she handed me a 16-page booklet, single-spaced, front and back. And that was the quick guide to how to play Magic the Gathering. The actual book to play the game is thicker than my daughter's textbook. Well, the, 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 the abbreviated version is called Magic the Gathering for people who have sex. You ha- yeah, for people, <laughs> Magic the Gathering is for people who don't have sex. No, that's the full-size one. Yeah, yeah, you because, have time yeah to read because it, yeah. it's, just, it's just, there's so many rules and so many, you know. And Dungeons and Dragons was the same way if you grew up playing D&D. You were constantly having to go back to the rule book. But that was one of the things that geeks love. They love the structure of it. Consult the Codex! They love that there's a rule for everything, you know? That's why so many geeks are photographers. We love that there's a finite rule for everything in photography. The inverse square law cannot be denied. Well, that you know, that's interesting you say that about photography because I think that there it is also a, a really interesting mix that is an art and a craft. So you have people that yes. create beautiful images that don't give a flip about the inverse square law. Right. And then you have people that are very technical, geeky, gear people that are the yes. ones that are – those would be that similar person. But there are plenty of photographers who uh, who, who wouldn't – who that, that sort of rule-based thing wouldn't resonate with them. But you definitely strike me as a Magic the Gathering Well, here's the guy. thing about photography is you can be a person who's not very artistic but if you can learn all the rules if you can learn how light works and how to bounce light and how to do all those things and if you can learn that i mean even posing is a series of rules right you know you get with a woman you're like okay i know that if i turn you to to 45 degrees to the side it's going to make you a little bit thinner i know that if i bend all of your joints it's going to make you look a little bit better i know that if you shift your weight on your hips away from the camera it's going to make you look a little bit thinner Uh, i've been told that you lean the face towards the near shoulder if it's a woman towards the far (laughs) shoulder if it's a man i've you know i've been you know i mean you know there's just a series of rules and if you can just memorize all those rules you can win that game 
Well, you know? uh, yeah, it's you can be a competent professional putting out professional quality work and not have an artistic bone in your yes, body. Not have a single artistic bone. Absolutely in your body. agree. Witness, with that. witness headshots. There you go. Perfect example. <laughs> crime scene photography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually like the crime scene photographers get too much credit because there's the easiest job in the world. First of all, model never complains. Oh, not much to pose. In fact, posing is <laughs> no posing. Posing is, posing is actually looked frown, frowned upon. In. Yeah, they want direct light, right? They don't want any shadow. So right, it's the easiest thing in the world. Ring what are light. you doing to that corpse, Boo Ray? Well, I think if I broke the wrist just a little bit, <laughs> yeah. it would be. Don't touch the body. Oh, okay. I'm that's... unhappy. I'm unhappy with the flow. Can we fix this? It's not an S curve. It's clearly yeah. not an S curve. Not clearly not an S curve. <laughs> Boo Ray, you'd be a terrible crime scene photographer. Yes, yeah, you could know? be. Excuse me. All shift right. your weight to your back foot. No. Yeah. Nothing. No. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I can't work under these conditions. Yeah, I'm. I'm too much of an artist. I'm out of here. <laughs> I can't work with. I can't work with these people. So uh, it's New Year's Eve. Is the day this show's going to come out? Tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow, New Year's Eve. Uh, you got plans? Uh, yep. Yeah, well, you know, I got household people. So. We're gonna have people here, but no, no, we're not doing a party. It's gonna be seriously. It's gonna be like playing Magic: The Gathering and and Xbox games and and drinking while doing it all. Sounds like a blast. You're at that point. I'm at that point in my life, and you. I'm sure you've gotten this way too. Where if you get with the right people, like my best friend from high school, sitting around the table playing a game of cards, I will laugh more than if we went out and did the coolest thing you could possibly do on New Year's Eve. I don't know. Are you have you been on a jet ski before? Because I have been on a jet ski, <laughs> but I'm just telling you, we have a blast when we get together. Just you know. Yeah, I know exactly stuff. what you mean. I have yeah. to shoot a wedding. Yeah, oh. my wife booked a wedding for New Year's Eve, and didn't she? Just didn't it didn't occur to her? She was for some reason she wasn't thinking. They were like the 31st, and she was like, okay. And then she tells me, oh, I just booked a wedding for the 31st. I'm like, we we have a house full of people for New Year's, and I have to go shoot a wedding. I have to leave and go shoot a wedding. Yes. So it's a big wedding, small wedding. No, it's the smallest you can have. It's an I do for two. Literally, it's thirty minutes on the beach. Well, and then an hour to drive. An hour back, an hour there, there, an hour there, an hour back, and thirty minutes at the beach. Right, right, right. With a couple that won't even be because those they're very they're almost never dressed. So they'll be you know like you know white beater tees and and cargo shorts, and they'll get married (sighs) with the officiant. I'll take their picture for twenty five minutes, and then we'll we'll come back. I want to see the rogues gallery of uh, of I do for two photos in your on your hard drive. Of all of Some the of people who uh, who wore wife beaters, yeah. I've had, I have yes, I did have a wife beater Harley Davidson tee one time for their for the <laughs> wedding. That was a, that was the best one. But I've had others I do for twos where they got completely dressed and it was really really nice. It was like it was like shooting an engagement session with people in wedding attire. Hmm, oh, that's yeah. all right because there was no one there but but me, the officiant, and those two people. We have uh, New Year's Eve is my wife's birthday, and so we have a. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So we have a. Uh, you know, we have an interesting, an interesting problem. Like if we, if I do a party, it basically becomes a New Year's Eve slash birthday party, and I have to do a long run up of, of advertising for it to get people to come because people make their New Year's Eve plans, and it becomes a whole right. thing. Otherwise, we do like an intimate dinner, or we just go out of town somewhere, and that's okay. uh, and so uh, so that's uh, that's pretty much it. I think we're gonna go intimate this year. Nice dinner with some family, and uh, probably be asleep by ten uh, thirty. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's the biggest concern I have is that we'll make it to midnight. I don't know that we'll make it to midnight, and and there's very and there's also a big. Um, 
you know, everybody is because the dog is coming. So everything is overshadowed by that now. You know, and we're everything we're doing now is everything is the run up to that. So no matter how much fun we're having, you know, Bobby and the girls, they're just when's the puppy coming? When's the puppy coming? They're all <laughs> well, very excited about the puppy. The hard part when you have small children with New Year's Eve is my kids don't have any concept of what New Year's Eve is, and they don't give a flip about it. All I know is I'm going to have a three-year-old and a one-year-old asleep when my, when everybody in my neighborhood decides it's a good time to set <laughs> off all their firecrackers. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's uh, you know, parents with small children problems. Is it's, That's uh, New Year's Eve sucks. And don't, don't enjoy it uh, anymore. Uh, not going out and partying. All I want is t- for my kids to stay asleep, and that's that's just not in the cards. So this is the New Year's Eve edition of the show. The New Year's Eve. Happy and, New Year. Happy New Year. And and I feel like, you know, reflecting on the on the past year, there's not a lot to talk about. It was the year of the mirrorless camera. I it was say. the year of the mirrorless camera. The year camera. of the mirrorless camera. This is the year when everybody came to realize that mirrorless is here to stay and is going to take over. Um do you have anything very photography related that you that you need to talk about on this show? Because there's one topic we haven't really talked about yet that we've avoided. And uh, I didn't even preface this with you before we started the show. Oh, no. we, we mentioned it last week. And we said maybe we should talk about this, and, and we didn't talk about this. But there's one event coming up in a, in a few weeks. Uh, that, well, I, uh, typically we do around this time we do an Imaging USA preview. And so I was hoping right. that we could at least talk a little bit about that. Well, there you go. All right. So let's do and, that. Uh, so, and, but before we do that, since you mentioned that 2018 was the year of the mirrorless camera, we got uh, Luke has written into the Facebook page, switching to a mirrorless ecosystem has been trendy in the photography community over the past few years. People often loud the smaller size of the cameras, but they largely ignore the rules of physics, which force quality lenses to be rather large. Our new 28 to 70 millimeter F2, I think he's talking about that Canon, is a true monster, but it produces amazing images that we think our clients deserve. In total, the mirrorless combo on the left weighs 25% more than the DSLR setup on the right. So basically, it's like talking about Because the size, of the lens. But... So the body weighs less, but the lens weighs more? Yes. Okay, basically. so I, I haven't really, I mean, I saw this post, I haven't delved into it, but why do the lenses have to be larger? I think that one of the things is with the uh, the aperture of the the lens, not the aperture, but the mount has to be larger. Uh, te- it can be or tends to be. I'm not sure in the physics of it, but the mount on like the Nikon Z series is massive, and I believe the mount is larger on the Canon R, EOS R. And okay, so, so the- here's my guess, though. But they're doing this by choice. It doesn't have to be because the sensor is actually smaller. But they're making the mounts larger because they need to make the lenses wider because they need to make them, uh, they need to be, have the apertures be bigger in order to make up for the fact that they're losing bokeh, or bokeh, I, rather. Yeah, I suppose so. I, I, because I don't because F2.8 is not going to be good enough anymore. Now it's got to be F1.4, F1.8 because, or, of the fa- because of, the, because of the, the crop sensor, you lose a stop of depth of field. Or gain a stop of depth of field, basically. Uh, so they're they're needing to make these these cameras lenses wider in order to get the same look as they were getting from the DSLR. Is that what? Yeah. And wider means more glass. And is well, that I think the general rule has always been the faster the lens is, the bigger the lens is. You know, and I right. you know uh, at least in uh, DSLR systems, to where the difference between the eighty five one eight on Canon and the eighty five one two was like about four hundred pounds, and right. so <laughs> it was just a massive, massive difference. And so. You know, uh, I th- I don't think that we're really getting a lot of help in the pro level, even with the Sony system, the Nikon system. I don't, if you're looking as your main reason to going mirrorless is going to be 
getting a lighter kit, uh, you're going to be disappointed. Unless you go to an APS-C size sensor mirrorless camera like the Canon M-Series or the Fuji X100F and stuff like that. If you go to those, you have to go to a smaller sensor uh, mirrorless to actually get a much, much lighter kit. Because by the time you put your big honking lenses on it, it's going to weigh more or the right. same. So, and and there's something to be said for the bigger lens now, but on a body that's actually smaller in your hand, which is fine if you're a tiny person. But if you're a, a bigger person like myself with bigger hands, that it, that becomes more unwieldy. Then you start adding pieces onto your camera to yeah, make it bigger, so which makes you, it heavier. <clears throat> and like you end up with a camera the same size as your old camera, right? Yeah. So I yeah I I was very excited about the mirrorless uh, thing this year. Um, but now looking at it, I realize that I'm mostly excited about the idea of being excited about camera gear because I haven't been for so long because I've just been locked into a, a great camera system for so long that I haven't had the thrill of doing that. The way that you get excited about clothes when you lose 20 pounds because, exactly. you, because now suddenly you can wear things you couldn't wear before. And I'm really excited about that. But the bottom line is there's nothing out there in mirrorless, I think, that's really going to impact my job in a positive enough way to make a switch at this time my camera still i work faster with it it shoots faster and the images are fantastic and better than anything with any mirrorless that i have on me at the time now i know some people like jim would say no that the sony is unbelievable uh, but, but, but be fair i haven't used it it's going to be able, the, the ability to use the eye and face tracking through the mm-hmm. electronic viewfinder is going to be the biggest game changer right. it's I the gimmick that's what i'm saying it's the gimmick stuff i don't want to say gimmick's not the word but it's that stuff that I, that is the most exciting to me, more so than image quality. It's just the, that some people aren't going to be as affected by that mirrorless revolution as of yet. You know, essentially, I think that's going to be the way that it's going to go. My prediction is you'll see most of the major camera brands really start to, over the next three to five years, start to phase out their mirrored cameras. Um, although, you know, to be fair, still, I think if you're talking about Canon, the number one selling cameras, they sell more digital Rebels than just about anything, I think. I mean, those are like the place where they have their largest, the largest market share. They're still number one in, in total, you know, DSLR sales. And I think it's because of that. So, you know, uh, it's still got a ways to go, but that is an interesting point, Luke. Thanks for writing in about that. I think that's, uh, you know, something to consider if you're looking to save on the weight. He the, is this, I saw, is this, didn't he have pictures? Um, I didn't see anything, no. Okay, I feel like, okay, well, I, I must have seen it someplace online where somebody else did a whole thing on it, and they showed pictures of, the, of two compatible cameras side by side, and the... Uh, DSLR was not smaller than the no, <laughs> than the not, not by the time the you put the lens on it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it once was they the, put that uh, lens on it, the five D four and the twenty four to seventy, and the EOS R and the twenty eight to seventy, and it ends up weighing more anyway. So the, don't go don't go mirrorless to save weight unless you're going down to the smaller sensor size, and then you're going to save a ton of weight. And even those like I know that the Fuji XT three and then different models like that, they give you great quality image. I think uh, DP Review just named the XT three like the the camera of the year. Yeah, um, everybody's naming it the camera of the year. Yeah, I'm so. still I'm still on the fence about I mean cuz you have $1500. I'm still on the fence about picking one up just to have fun with. Yeah. But then no, I'd have too I'd have too many cameras then. I would just can you have too many cameras? Uh no. The okay. Answer is no. The answer is right. no. 
Okay, uh, so let's talk about real quick Imaging USA and uh, see what's going on there. I was just looking at the speaker lineup, and we have some. I think it's going to be one of the strongest speaker lineups we've had at Imaging USA in a, in quite some time. And not just because uh, I was on the committee that helped pick the speakers, but because uh, ba- basically the way that works is the speaker selection committee meets once a year. And I want to talk about this too to to sort of put together the schedule of what the, who they want to speak. And so there's a lot of moving parts in there. And I've explained it on the show before, talking about the Imaging USA preview. Um, and this represents sort of my last year on that committee. I'll no longer be involved with it after this, just because I've timed out. Not, not for any other reason than I've just been on it for five years, and I moved on to another committee. Um, but basically, uh, there's so many moving parts between sponsorships and different, like Adobe and Canon and companies like that sponsoring, that the the speakers line up as it ends up on the actual day. And this is including speakers having something come up or somebody gets sick or uh, another opportunity or they're not available. The final speaker lineup looks quite a bit different than what the committee puts together most of the time. It, it's, and so... What we've got here is is even by the time we get to the last couple of weeks for Imaging USA, looking at the speaker lineup, it's still kind of some of these things are a surprise to me. And so uh, not in a bad way. I'm just really looking forward to a few of the programs. I'm going to be all over the place trying to see all the things I want to see there. So um, a couple notable things I want to uh, point out. And for those of you that are going to attend, Boo Ray and I will be there. Boo Ray is speaking on the platform Monday morning. And I won't make a big deal out of his incredible standing room only program called Flash's Files and Fast Class to where, you know, you want to get there early because you're not going to be able to get in the room uh, because it's going to be so packed. It's going to be such a big deal. It'll be the program of the convention. Mm-hmm. Um, so make sure that uh, you get there early. But um, here's some cool notables. Audrey Woolard, I think, is going to be a really great program. She's got a great business in uh, shoot, photographing tweens. And I think that's kind of an interesting market for people who are in portraits and then untapped in a lot of areas. Might be interesting. And also, um, I wanted to talk about the new program track called uh, The Gap. Okay, And I would be interested in what your thoughts are on that, because basically what happened is the uh, board of directors and the leadership and staff of PPA have sort of predicted a growing gap between photographers and the consumer, basically saying that we're offering something that isn't serving our client, and there's this gap growing between the photography industry and the clients that we serve. And so they have gone way outside of the photography industry to pull in some speakers uh, for Imaging USA this year, including people like Scott Stratton and, um, and and others who are motivational speakers and business coaches that aren't photographers. And so they're bringing in a good 10 or 12 different people uh, that are notable public figures outside of the business world of photography to talk about business and marketing. And so I was interested in what your thoughts were on that because it, it's taking up a mm. lot of space at the convention, yeah. space that would normally go to photography industry leaders and um, and again, I just thought that it would be an interesting topic to talk about and why we think they're doing it and, and, and how you feel. Well, I know why they're doing it because uh, the gap that is a great name, by the way, for exactly what exactly described what the gap between photographers and consumers has widened. Uh, the um, amount of disposable income that people have to spend now is greater than it has been at any time in history. And yet, despite that, photographers are still saying that they're having a hard time getting people to spend money on photography. I hear it all the time. Yeah, and so that's the gap. That that's this. There's this gap between them having money and us wanting them to give it to us. And how do we bridge that gap? How do we get these people to come and be our customers? So they decided that uh, they were going to really address that. And I... and. I go back and forth on this. It's hard because because uh, 
I personally don't like to talk too much about the business, business, business side of photography. I prefer to stick to the technical side because I'm safe there. If I'm teaching you a technical thing, I know that the technical thing is to technical thing. But if I'm teaching you a business thing and it doesn't work for you, then I look like I don't know what I'm talking about. Or, you know, so I try to stay away from that. Uh, and, but I think it's very, I don't want to say brave, but I think it's very forward thinking that the PPA, which is a professional photographer association, recognizes that, that it can't just be about, hey, here's how you do bounce flash, or here's how you do off-camera lighting, or here's how you take a picture of a tween. It also needs to be about, here's how you succeed in your business. And this year, more than any year since I've been a member, they are absolutely driving head-on into that. They are, they are dedicating a, a sizable portion of the convention to let's talk about business, let's talk about customers, and let's talk about what we're doing right and wrong to, to reach those customers and, and how we can improve it. And let's bring in people who aren't photographers, who are well, experts in reaching customers, and have them talk to us and see if they can give us some insights. You know, it's, it's, it's not flashy. You know, it's not rock star, but if you want to be a professional photographer for the next 20 or 25 years, you need to dedicate some time and energy to the business side. And this is what's interesting about it is that for a photography conference, this is honestly a gamble. It's a huge gamble because it's not flashy. Right. You know, and, and I really respect that. It's not because it's not, oh, we've got, oh, you know, here comes Jerry Jonas and he's, oh, do, do, oh, you know, it's not flashy at all, you know. But here's what's interesting about this the kind of people that you bring in that talk about this stuff, a lot of times they're, they're big speakers and their speaking ability is, is, it can frequently be so much better than the stuff that you yeah, see. Yeah, a lot from, of these guys, a, hack lo- photographers. a lot of these people are professional. Yeah, they're speakers, Tony, yeah. they're Tony Robbins kind of per- people where you go see them and you come out pumped up. I mean, you come out just going, you're ready to take on the world. Right. You know, and then you go home and you transfer that energy into your business and you kickstart yourself. So, um, it's, yeah, it's a big gamble. Uh, you know, hopefully they won't have too many people who are like, well, I don't want to go see a guy talk about, you know, bridging, bridging the gap. But I, I think that everyone who goes and spends some time with these speakers will benefit from it. Yeah, I got to say, I, you know, it is definitely that gamble because photographers want to see programs where they see lots of pretty pictures. Right. Um, and they want to hear from people, even the ones who do want to go to business programs want to hear photographer, you know, people who are successful in the photography business. But there's sort of a uh, endemic uh, missing of the boat with a lot of people in our industry. And if I, you know, it's a great idea to learn from people that are killing it in other areas. Here's and I the think thing, that, though. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Here's the thing, though. We say that. They want to see pretty pictures, right? But then, like this year, because I'm speaking, I did an Ask Me Anything on the Loop. And almost every question I got was, how do you get your clients? How do you get your clients? How do you get your clients? How do you deal with this client? And how do right. you get your, you know. So, I, we, you know, are we wrong? Are we, are we wrong to think that, that the, all the photographers that are out there are pretty picture people? It may be that they are craving this, and, and finally, we're going to give it to them. Well, I think that's that's also important because PPA is still a business. Imaging USA is a business, and right. uh, even though they're a nonprofit organization, so they're basically making a judgment about their membership, about their clientele, people right. who attend Imaging USA and the membership. So, I think this is, um, I think it's probably a good read, and and maybe it's been needed sooner than this. But I I don't think that uh, here, here's here's my philosophy. Back in probably about two thousand and six. When we started to really see the economic collapse, the global financial meltdown, what happened was is you have a lot of people came into the photography business because you had a lot of enthusiasts, people who like to shoot, who had another job. And it's my belief that a couple of things happened. One, you had a lot of spouses and partners who were doing photography on the side who suddenly became – 
the 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 sole breadwinner and so they had to kick their photography business into high gear and you had a lot of people who were hobbyists and serious enthusiasts who lost their jobs and who started to say well okay i'll just do this and start trying to make money this way while i look for another job in the market but essentially between 2006 in 2010, you had a massive flood of photographers entering the industry in an unprecedented way, not only because of the economic situation, but because there was a shift in uh, the quality and price and accessibility of gear that you could shoot with professionally, cameras that could do higher ISO so you could shoot more easily with less expensive gear and get great images. And so a lot of those people who came into the industry in sort of this great tide of new photographers, and, and again, I don't have any feelings about this. This is just economic forces at play, and I I don't have an opinion. It just was what it was. It's like being angry when it rains or whatever. But the um, I believe that probably about 75% of those people have washed back out of the industry. And although I think that there are a lot of new people that – there are a small percentage, but a good number of people that stayed. And now, those people now are reaching their – you know, some of them are reaching their 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th year in business as, as professionals. And I think that – as as I had predicted several years ago, that a lot of people would wash out of the industry because, one, it's hard to make a living doing this. It's not an easy thing to sell, especially if you're a luxury business in a down economy, which until about 2012, we were. So you're trying to sell $3,000 wall portraits in an economy where people are fit, trying to figure out how to pay their rent to where the middle class just lost their buying power because the value of their homes went away. And so there's like a lot of stuff, at for, a lot of forces at play. But essentially, it takes a few years when you get into photography, especially if you've got, let's say, a spouse or a partner who has a full-time job with benefits and you and is that's paying the bills. So it takes people a few years to figure out one that they're not making any money. Like you could be killing it booking shooting weddings every weekend, but if you're not charging enough, you're not making money. And so I think that the people who have stayed have figured out that the most important part of the photography business is the business part and not the photography. And so those courses people looking for ways to market and bring more clients in that has slowly become more and more popular. It used to be you give a program on business and you'd be the least attended program at a convention. Nobody right. gave nobody gave a crap because back in 2000 and probably 2002, let's say 2000, the advent where everybody's switching to digital up until 2007, photographers were basically printing money. I you know, it was you if you were doing things the right way, you were killing it and it wasn't even hard. People had just all this equity in their homes and they were spending 5 or 6 or $10,000 on portraits no problem and photographers were destroying it and then all of a sudden somebody turned off the tap. And so I think that enough time has gone by the people who are going to stay in the industry are staying and the overall culture of the photography industry especially in our associations has been really pushed at business education. And so I think this is sort of the culmination of all of that is that we need to really pay attention. In fact, I would tell people, instead of thinking of it in terms of the photography business, put the business word first and start calling it the business of photography. And just that one simple change in your mentality can really start to help you right. think about your, your, your studio, your business in the right way. Put the business instead of it and just start thinking that way. And this is a really great response to that. So there's a, I'm interested to see how it works out. I know that I will be attending quite a few of these uh, gap programming courses because that stuff is real. I, I love marketing and, and uh, in social media and I love all this stuff. So I'm really looking forward to it. I uh, do want to talk briefly or at length. It is entirely up to you, but I do want to put a call out to my peoples. 
The peoples? Because I, I feel that we don't do this enough. Uh, and this is specifically to the peoples uh, here in the state of Florida who are photographers and members of the PPA. Uh, because there is a vote that will be coming up at the PPA meeting in a few weeks for something new that the PPA is going to do. How and the council meeting? And I am a counselor for the state of Florida. And so counselor. is Gary. Mm-hmm. Counselor. Counselor. Uh, so we represent the people of Florida, which means we need to know what you think uh, about these issues. And the thing that is coming up for a vote this year is that the PPA uh, has decided to create a new degree program. And it's okay for me to talk about this. We've been told that we should absolutely reach out to everyone and let them know to get thoughts and opinions. So we currently have two degrees or three degrees that you can earn. You can earn the craftsman's degree, which we, we call it a teaching degree, which is a, a degree that you get for, for teaching and speaking. You can enter, get the master photographer's degree, which is a degree that you get you know from getting your merits in competition. You become a master photographer. Then there's the master artist degree, which you which would be called a Photoshop degree. It's a, a degree that you get for competition in the master artist competition, which is mostly Photoshop skill, compositing, uh, that sort of thing. And the new one that they are going to try and create this year is the master wedding photographer's degree. Mm-hmm. And they will be voting on that at the counselor's meeting in just a few weeks, and I will be voting on that as well. They want to create, just as we have master uh, master photographer and master artist, they want to create master wedding. So you will take your wedding images, you will put them into this competition instead of the master photographer's competition, or it's called photographic open. Uh, you put them into the master wedding photographer's uh, degree competition. I don't know what they'll call the competition. I don't know that they've decided yet, as a matter of fact. Yeah, right. Uh, and you'll put them in there and then when you get your 13 merits in that competition, as well as 12 other merits, you will get the Master Wedding Photographer's Degree, just like the ones we have now. It will be a little gold thing that hangs around your neck with a, a different colored ribbon uh, than the other ones, just like what we have now. So there will be four instead of three. Um, there's a lot of discussion about the judging of this competition. How will the judging change? Uh, so far, what we've got is that they are going to continue to judge based on the 12 merits that we judge everything on now in our other competitions. 12 elements. 12 elements. However, they have said that there will be a charge to the judges, which is that they would like for the judges to please take into consideration that wedding photographers are dealing in situations that portrait photographers, etc., are not, and that we have to deal with the pressures of the wedding day. We don't get to choose location. We don't get to choose a subject. We don't get to choose clothing. We don't get to choose time of day, etc. Nothing in stone, nothing written saying that you must absolutely, not like changing the rules to say you must consider these things, but they're hoping that it will influence their judging, I think, a little bit. Um, And uh, so that's where we're at. They're doing this because they say that not enough wedding photographers are participating in the degree program, despite the fact that over half the people in the organization are wedding photographers. 66% of PPA members say that they they shoot weddings for at least as as part of their business. Right. And so they, uh, and, and they want to get these people more involved. And when they Asked them why don't you compete in photographic open? They say they they don't feel that their images are judged fairly, and so they've decided to create a degree where that they, those images will hopefully be judged more fairly. Whether or not they will be remains to be seen. I suppose it will be a process over time that will have to flesh itself out. But if you have an opinion about this, I would love to hear it. So uh, please contact me through Facebook and uh, and let me know what your opinion about it. I would love well, to talk to you about it because well, a, as a representative of the people, I need to know what you the think. People. Yeah. Uh, as yeah, as as just a primer for those of you who aren't aware, PPA uh, has a board of directors and committees and action teams. But ultimately, any real changes to the rules and the bylaws of the organization are in the hands of the PPA Council, which is essentially a group of about. 
200 and or so people that are mostly elected by from their state uh, when PPA does those elections about every three years, and that's through the uh, interwebs that they do that. But it's also uh, all committee chairs, past presidents, the members of the board of directors. There are uh, – anyway, it's a goodly number of people, but nothing can really be changed significantly without council's approval, and the council meets once a year at Imaging USA. And so that this and – a bunch of other changes, electing members to the board of directors. All that happens at Imaging USA at the council meeting. And so this is one of those things that um, I will tell you, having been on council, I did six years as a councilor, and now I'm on council because I'm a committee chair, so I'm not an elected member of the council, but I'm still on council, Um, that anytime there's a rule change for competition, council meeting is insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. People people do not like change. They absolutely no. don't like change. One of the one of the problems and this I don't think this direct directly affects this in this way, but one of the problems with changing something that's been around for a while is that people tend to think that it somehow changes what they achieved when they did it. You know, right. if 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 you if you run a marathon and it was really hard and then next year they decide to make the marathon route shorter, you think it somehow lessens what you did, and it doesn't. It doesn't lessen what you did. Or, or they, they, they make the marathon on a flat road instead of a uh, whatever instead you of know, an incline. It, people, <laughs> it needs to be just as hard as it was when I did it, and, and that's not true. Everything must change, and I'm not advocating for this degree. I honestly want to hear what other people have to say. I do have opinions about this degree on both sides of the fence, uh, and, and I'm curious to see what's going to happen with it. I'm curious to see what that meeting is going to be like. Yeah, so send us uh, an email to questions at photobombpodcast.com, yeah. or you can uh, post on our Facebook page or message us through the Facebook page, facebook.com slash photobombpodcast. Right. We would love to get some of your opinions on the new uh, degree and what you think about that. And and I'd also be interested in what people think about uh, entering wedding images in competition uh, and and how those are judged. At, and I think because that's really where this all comes from is a general feeling that, you know, uh, people aren't going to get judged fairly. And truthfully, the, 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 the competition is sort of a wild west. Digital manipulation has changed it so much where – and the rules have not kept up with it, in my opinion, in, in some ways. Yes. And so you have images that are – a person in a white dress or a styled wedding shoot that happens to be a model in a white dress, and those get into the wedding competition, and that changes things around quite a bit for your average day-to-day wedding photographer who's entering their work. And so one of the things that's new, which I think is great, is that images in that wedding competition are going to have to be connected to an actual wedding event. And so those that's no longer going to be a thing where you'll just be able to hire a model and put a model in a white dress and call that a wedding image. That, that will no longer be allowed. Technically, that's not true. That's not true. No. Technically, uh, from what I'm hearing so far, um, you as long as the couple that you're shooting is an actual couple, it says, it, I, I, I've been told they have to be an actual wedding couple. Now, I don't know if that means they have to be getting married soon or have right. to have gotten married, but you can do a stylized shoot. With a bride and groom. With a bride, and they're an actual couple, and right. you use them in a stylized shoot, and then put that into... The competition is. Mm. It'll be interesting image. how then they come up with the wording to make that because I really, in my opinion, yes. Uh, I well, think you and I are of the same opinion. I in think this that respect. the entire success of this is going to hinge on that one thing. Yeah, I, I, we, we are of agreement on this. I think that there's other things that will uh, affect it, but, um, you know, and I understand both sides of this too because it is really tough. Guys like me, I always want more rules. 
I always want more restrictions. I want you to lock everything. I, Magic the Gathering. I like lots of rules. I like it to be perfectly clear exactly, you know, you can and can't do this, and it's right there in writing. I like golf, which has a rule book that's like an encyclopedia. You know, there's a rule for everything. And I like that. But I absolutely understand the other side, which is if you're trying to run this sort of a thing, the more rules you have, oh my God, the more work you have. And the and harder it, it is to try and enforce those rules. So where do you find the balance between enough rules to make it to where it's consistent and fair, but not so many rules it becomes literally golf? Where, yeah, you know, but, you know, in a tournament before Tiger Woods hits the ball, he's got to call somebody over to, ta- to get an answer a question before we, as to whether or not he can hit that ball. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, and by the way, every time you make a rule or change something, then somebody is going to find a way around it. Yes. It, I, but that's I think it. I speak for us both when I say we would like to see a rule that says images in this competition should be shot on the day of a wedding at an actual wedding. I believe that, that since this, this is a completely different uh, competition, right? I mean, it's alongside it, just like the artist competition is alongside Photographic Open. You can have categories underneath it. So I think that the probably the and again this stuff has not all been fleshed out yet. No, so, no. Before they can do any of the flushing out, they have to decide whether or not they can do it at all. They have to get permission from yeah. PPA council. They can't, they can't spend in order tons to do this in the first work, place. Yeah, trying to work to flush the whole thing out before they even put it up for a vote, only to have it shot down. And money, which is basically spending membership dollars. Yeah, and it's our money. Yeah. Spending spending the members' money on this without having permission from council, which is the representatives of the membership. If you think of council, it's almost like Congress for PPA. Right. So out of the 30,000-plus members of PPA, these 200 and change people are the ones who get to say they're the representatives of the rest of the membership. But I think that underneath the wedding f- competition, you could have a solution could be you could have wedding day could be a category. And you right. could have, uh, you know, engagement could be a category or, you know, uh, you know, uh, styled portraits could be a category right. with the, and within that competition. So if you have a, an actual wedding couple and let's say that they fly you to Spain or Rome or somewhere and you shoot the actual wedding, but then you take a whole day the following day to go photograph around, you know, the Colosseum or you go to Tuscany or whatever the heck, you know, then you would have t- uh, two, pl- both of those could be in the wedding competition, but nobody who's entering images that they put together on an actual wedding day is going to be competing against somebody who had all the time in the world. And I think that that's really the thing that's going to make the difference. You could have a category for wedding details for like the people who come up with the most clever, you know, detail shots at weddings, all kinds of cool stuff. Let me jump in though. And that's another problem that they're running up against though, is that they can't have a lot of categories because every category they create, they create, there has to be a Gia award for it. Sure. And you can't can't have a million Gia awards for weddings. So you could just, basically the two categories would be wedding day, non-wedding day. There's going to be like, starting out, I think they're talking about, are there only being like two categories? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But I think that the, the, there's no problem with having more Gia's. My question well, uh, is... You know, like giving this is more down, awards out? Uh, yeah, what do yeah, you do? Yeah. Like, wow! My question has been, and I, and I already know the answer to this question, but why can't you just fix the wedding category in the current photographic open? And why do you have to have a separate thing for it? And I'll tell you why. Because because it's uh, there are some people who would say it's too late for that. If you want to bring wedding photographers into the competitions more, you're going to have to do something big. You're going to have to come big with something like this to get them to come back in. If you just try and go out and go, oh, by the way, it's much better now. You can enter the photographic open and get judged fairly. You're not going to really. You're not. They're gone from that. You're not. You're, probably, you're not going to have a hard time pulling them back. You need to give them this new degree to really make it a big deal to bring them back in. Because ultimately, it is the job of the PPA to engage its members. That is its number one job 
And if this is the way you, what you have to do to engage them, then fine. But personally, just on a pure aesthetic feeling, I would love it if they would just fix the category in, 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 you know, because I'd rather be a master photographer than a master wedding photographer. One thing that I, yeah, I hear that, but one thing that I do know is that, uh, there are competitors who would love to get this degree in addition to the other one. Um, well, there's that too. Now, now that's one more degree to go for. Just like the people go for the two, now they can go for three. It's and, like d- uh, extra downloadable content for like keeps, Red Dead again, Redemption and, 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 and or something. It's, DL, it's <laughs> DLC. It's DLC for the IPC. So, so now, you know, like, yeah. I'm even tempted since we gave up weddings a couple of years ago. I'm tempted to go and and see how much. My, yeah, some of your older stuff, right? I'm gonna no, no. I'm gonna like maybe go second shoot a few weddings with some friends who right. have, who have wedding businesses right. and see if I can get some cool stuff, you know, because I think I'd love to see a, a, a resurgence of reportage or reportage, as we call it in right. the United States, right. and, you know, photojournalism and just really strong day of wedding portraiture and just see people really reveling in that wedding photographers have been uh, the in the industry, in certain phases of the industry, have been like the redheaded stepchildren, and then all of a sudden, you know, in the early 2000s, wedding photographers were all the rock stars, and now I think wedding photography has is kind of on the downturn as far as who's getting all the attention in the industry, because it's all about, now it's about uh, you know, portrait photographers, and even specifically studio portrait photographers, and people who photograph models with V-flats, and all that is super, super cool, and stylized studio sessions, and wedding photography is now not the coolest thing in the world. Right, right. And so I think this, we the industry is poised, and it goes up and down, up and down. It's poised for wedding photography to become more popular again. And this is not a bad way to position, uh, for PPA to position itself as a place to where wedding photographers can go and compete. But I do believe there's still quite a lot of work to do, for sure. Yeah, yeah. The one, the one thing that I do, the, the one small group of people that I feel bad for if this happens... Uh, and I honestly do not know how I'm going to vote, which is why I wanted I wanted people to reach out to me. Um, the one the one little small group that I feel bad for though is the guy who's a wedding photographer or girl, and has been competing in photographic open to get their 13 merits, and they've got like seven or eight right now, and now this comes along and there's no more wedding category in photographic open. <laughs> <laughs> and you are exclusively a wedding photographer. So now, if you want to get your last six merits in photographic open, you've got to enter wedding images into the portrait open category. Or you've got to shoot portraits and get them in because your wedding images, there's no category for your wedding images Well, anymore. you could still just put them, you could enter wedding images in yes, the photographic you could enter open images, category. But they will be put into the portrait category. Right, which is, you know, if that's what you want to do, you can still do yeah. that. And, and anytime you make a and rule everyone, change or and everyone change you, it, And everyone that you do that with is, is burned now. If you get a merit there, it's burned and you can't I, put I it over I think you're talking about wedding, a <laughs> fairly small group of people and I think that's the point. But yeah. anytime you make a rule change or do something like this, well, there's yeah. always I mean, a, that's a, gonna happen. Like I a said, small I mean, group of helped. people who become marginalized for the overall right. betterment of everything. And but so, it's a small group. But I can tell you that if it had happened to me, I'd be hot about it. I'm going to be walking the stage and getting my degree this year. But if this had happened last year when I was still four merits short, I would be like, what? It's taken me five years to get all these merits. And now you're telling me the last four merits I have to get. And there isn't even going to be a wedding category anymore. 
and I'm, I, I have a hard enough time getting merits when there is a wedding category. <laughs> right. Well, I, again, I think that you, there will be a place for, yeah. uh, for those images can still be entered. And if they're of merit quality, they will merit and you'll get your degree. You know, you don't have to enter them into weddings. I would encourage you to. But if you're close to your degree and you only shoot weddings, which I think is probably like six people, uh, then, you know, then enter <laughs> I don't in. I think so. Enter I think in there's plenty of people who just shoot weddings. I know there are, but plenty of people who just shoot weddings who are really close to the right. degree. Okay. Like I said, we're talking about a very small, yeah. a very small six. Group. I know all of them. Yeah, yeah Tim, yeah. Bobby, Susie, Jennifer, Mackenzie, and yeah. uh, and Carl. And I, that's it. That's the yeah. only ones. Does yeah. that six? Yeah, yeah, six. You're okay, right good. About that. Yeah. Okay, so before we uh, close out, I just want to point out. Uh, I I like to say each of us. A couple of, of speakers coming up at Imaging USA that we're excited to see. I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, so I've got the speakers list pulled up. So I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, here, here are some of my top picks for Imaging USA. So write these down uh, in a little notebook if you think. Um, if you're into portrait photography and you're looking for a different market, again, I think Audrey Woolard would be a great choice. Um, in addition, my uh, good friends Yannick and Sasha Vasiek are doing a program on printing and how to train your clients to purchase printed products. And they are absolutely aces and they have a great business in San Diego. And so look for them, Yannick and Sasha Vasiek. Uh, that's with a W. And uh, also there's some really, really cool stuff that I definitely would not miss, including Bure Perry's Flashes, Files, and Fast Glass. But uh, other ones I'm excited about is going to be Dave Kalmbach from Canada, and he is probably if you're into uh, want to do have a headshot business, he's doing a pre-con class that's going to show his systems that he uses to do high volume headshots at conventions, and it's absolutely like this is the guy that I want to be when I grow up kind of stuff. So he's very very good at what he does. Super nice guy. I wouldn't miss that. Um, in addition, if you're in the pet market, fellow Floridian and a uh, good friend of ours, Michael Joseph from Jacksonville, is back at Imaging USA after a good long absence. And this is a guy who is probably one of the most interesting speakers I've ever seen because he has a, he speaks animal languages, and I mean that very literally. <laughs> he has an incredible way of interacting with pets. So if you're into shooting pets and pet photography, this guy, you absolutely do not want to miss. He will um, just sitting for a few minutes watching him interact with animals has helped me because I don't shoot pets, but there's very often a time in my portrait business and wedding business when the bride and groom want to be photographed with their dogs and whatever. And how do you get those dogs to engage like you would a person? And that's, well, that's a definitely a killer skill to add into your toolbox, absolutely for certain. And then you got good old regulars like Joel Grimes, who's pretty much at Imaging USA every year. Always a great, interesting watch. I would also recommend John Gress, who's a, uh, a commercial portrait photographer from Chicago, photographs a lot of athletes and a lot of models. He's fantastic at photographing, specifically does great work photographing men. Uh, and he's going to be offering a fantastic class at IUSA that I would not want to miss and uh, I think that's probably some of my highlights oh yeah and if you're a wedding person um, I think Michael Anthony is making his Imaging USA debut and he's a phenomenal wedding photographer great portrait wedding photographer and also super super nice guy so don't miss that class what do you got boo I got nothing because you just mentioned everybody probably that I would have mentioned <laughs> um, to be honest I haven't paid that much attention to the lineup because I am so busy during Imaging USA now that I don't get to go see anybody speak anymore. Yeah, well, you will be doing the IUSA Live again this yeah. year. Yeah, so I'm doing four live shows every single day, plus I've got to do the whole, uh, all the stuff you have to do to get your degree, plus I have to speak on the platform, plus I have to do some voiceover work for um, some of the um, 
other stuff that we're doing. So I I don't think last year I saw a single speaker. I maybe saw one. Um, so it's hard for me to, so I don't even look at the speakers for fear that I will just be depressed that there's so many great people that I, I can't see. But I can tell you offhand, like people I know and, and along that line, like Julianne, Julianne Coase is going to be uh, speaking in this year. She speaks like every other year from Adobe. That class will be standing room only. It is always standing room only because she oh, is the yes. she is the Photoshop guru. And I guarantee you, no matter how well you think you know Photoshop, she is going to show you at least three things that you didn't know you could do with yeah. Photoshop. Don't walk in that classroom uh, without a notepad because yes. seriously. You, yeah. Yeah. She, and, and, and not only is she going to show you great stuff, but she's an entertaining speaker. She's always yeah. funny. You know, she uses her own artwork when she ta- and talks about her own artwork while she's showing you what she can do. And, uh, and a truly enjoyable uh to watch and there's a reason why she is there every other year if not yes. every year and it's because her class is always full yeah she's and i'm not exaggerating you will be standing in the back of the room yeah. for sure for- uh we've got several friends that are speaking uh christy newell is going to be talking about competition if you're interested in competition christy newell has done very good in competition yeah she could teach you a thing or two about she, competition yeah, she will absolutely sure. teach you a, a thing or two about competition pete rezak is going to be speaking pete has been speaking all over the country like crazy and he does amazing work and a lot of amazing work with film i don't know what he's going to be talking about this year but he's always just a great guy and uh and wonderful uh wonderful work that he's going to show and then another one guy who i don't have to know what he's talking about to just know that you're going to be blown away by the images is dan mcclanahan and his wife uh, yeah, dan and alex mcclanahan dan and alex mcclanahan their work uh he's on the uh, world cup team again this year last year got a bronze medal shocked the world by cup that. Team. i'm shocked do what I'm shocked by that. Just yeah, shocked. just his work is unbelievable. I mean, something as simple as a family portrait, he will do things to it that that you would never would have thought to do. That and it will and it's unbelievable image, uh, unbelievable. And uh, so yeah, if you get a chance to go see uh, Dan and his wife Alex, do so. And they're also just super nice people. If you get a chance to meet them, just so many great, uh, so many great speakers this year. And spend some time with the Gap programming. Yes, you have a ton of good gap programming, so don't uh, don't hesitate to learn from somebody outside the industry. And one last final one is uh, Corey Potter, by the way, friend of ours. We spoke oh, uh, sure, met him first in South Carolina a couple years ago when we did a photobomb live at their convention, and he is speaking on the platform about search engine optimization. This is the guy who does my website, and who I've been working with him for several years on this, and he is going to uh, put a lot of information in your brain that is going to help you make more money. Seriously, so uh, that would. Definitely not miss Corey Potter's program on SEO for sure. All right. That wraps us up for the uh, New Year's edition of the Photobomb podcast. Yeah. Hey, and uh, let's – what do you got coming up? Didn't you just uh, book a thing? What thing? speaking somewhere? Virginia? Uh, Yeah, I will be in Virginia. Um, I want to say July, June, July. It's way too far away for me to know it off the top of my head. Yeah. (laughs) Well, funny enough, we both booked events with the Virginia PPA. Mine is coming up in February. So if you're in, and that's going to be in Newport News, Virginia, so which is very close whether you're in uh, North Carolina, West Virginia, or Maryland, it's a really good drive-up convention for a lot of states. And I will be doing an all-day class, Success with Commercial Portraits. It's going to be a lot of hands-on lighting and posing stuff for showing you how to work with actors, models, and executives, professional portraits. And I'll also be doing a platform class uh, on called Master Your Marketing, which is going to be all about social media marketing and stuff. And so that's going to be the uh, two weeks before uh, WPPI, where I'll be doing a master class there. So come visit me. And uh, besides Imaging USA, which is in like 10, 12, it's in like two weeks. Is Imaging USA like two Yeah, weeks it's away? coming up, dude. It's right and, around the corner. 
And for those of our UK listeners, I will be at the Society of Wedding and Portrait Photographers Convention in just about 10 days from the recording of this. So that's coming up. That's going to be in London. Uh, so that's going to be really cool. Go to, S- I think it's swpp.co.uk for the incredible lineup of speakers. And I think that's it for right now. You can contact us through Facebook, facebook.com slash photobombpodcast. You can email us questions at photobombpodcast.com. You can find Gary at hughesfioretti.com. And you can yep. find me at com. We'll see you back here next week. See you later. See you later.